The following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information or other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 4, verse 19. Again, we, we looked at this last week, and I wanted to take some time to kind of go back and look at it again, because sometimes when we're hearing the truth from the Word of God, it kind of feels like you're drinking from a fire hydrant, doesn't it? You know, it, I, sometimes I forget because the Lord has dropped something in my spirit maybe over the last month, and I've been thinking about it, and, and then I spend all week kind of putting it together. Sometimes I forget just um, the revelation that sometimes we're getting literally feels like, you know, you've got those big old fire hydrants with the water coming out about that big, and you stuck your face over the front of it. How many of you know it's probably going to knock you down, right? It's going to knock you flat on your back, and so we, we want to kind of learn how to get up there and kind of just taste a little bit of it. I believe if God grows our capacity, we can actually handle getting in front of the fire hydrant in the spirit realm, uh, but not in the physical. So uh, we wanted, I wanted to go back and take just a few minutes, kind of look at some of this, and then kind of go on from there, uh, because every one of us here today are going to face some challenges in our life. Man, it's just the reality of life. We, even though we're not fallen, we live in a fallen world. And so there are things that are affecting us all the time. There are challenges that come into our life. And the the response to the challenge is typically the biggest issue in our life. Now, I'm not in any way trying to say that that thing that you're dealing with, it's, you know, I don't care if that person rejected you or you're going through this physical issue or you've had this financial setback. Come on, suck it up, let's move on with life. I understand the, the, the feelings and the emotions that we have to deal with. And just because you have hurtful feelings does not mean that you have responded wrong. In fact, responding actually with emotion actually is one of the healthiest ways to actually get over some of the things that you're walking through. That you can say to a spouse, listen, when you say that, that hurts me. That, that when, you, when you talk like that to me, that damages me. But the, the problem is a lot of times things that have happened to us in our past are really not past issues. And the reason why we know is every time that subject comes up or that person comes into our life in any way, we get this, oh feeling in our life. We get this, this horrible feeling and we just become fearful. We become anxious. We, we, we shun friends that we should be pulling into our lives. And we don't, we don't love on people the way that we should because we still have some hurts from our past. So it's really not what happens to us that really is the issue. It's our response to the things that are happening to us. And what, what we want to learn how to do as followers of Jesus Christ, because you are a child of the Most High God, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you empowering you, leading you, guiding you, teaching you how to make right decisions and right choices, we want to learn how to respond in a godly way. We want to learn how to respond in a godly way so that life shows up in our life. You know, it's like our relationship with our spouse. Now, how many of you recognize sometimes your spouse does not respond right? Chickens. Now, we think they always don't respond right, right? But sometimes it literally is their wrong response. They just had a rough day. They just kind of blew up, and we're like, whoa, hey, what's happening here? What we have a, the, the opportunity to do in that moment is to respond right or to get where they're at and respond wrong and let the thing work out for about two or three days. In fact, one time my wife and I, we got in such a big fight, I didn't see her for three days until the swelling went down in my left eye, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's never hit me because I can outrun her. 
But sometimes we respond wrong, and then we just continue to cause the problem to go on and on. And suddenly, a, a day later, two weeks later, sometimes years later, we're still dealing with the same issue because we didn't respond right in that moment. Now, did you have a right to respond wrong? Possibly. But listen, you, your response is going to determine the outcome. And, and so it, it begins to change everything for us because I've learned in 25 years of being married, I cannot change other people. As much as I want to sometimes, and I think I want to fix things, normally I'm trying to fix things that are just because it's the perception I have of what's right, when in reality it's not really a right or wrong issue, it's a different issue. Husbands and wives sit up and take note on that one. And sometimes I'm trying to fix all these issues, until, but until I really learn that I can only focus on me, and when I change me, I change the equation. I change the environment of my home. So we want to learn how to respond in such a way that we get a godly outcome. So if we want to a good outcome, a positive outcome, or a godly outcome, again, it's going to be based on the response that we have to the challenge that's coming into our lives. And just again, every one of us are going to have challenge. And it's the faith response that is actually going to produce that good, positive, and godly outcome. Listen, sometimes I listen to things on TV that come from the world, and all they're doing is adopting a principle from the world, and they're now implementing it, and people go like, oh, wow, that's the thing. No, they've just adopted a principle from the Word of God. How many of you remember when meditation was a bad thing? The Word of God is filled with meditate on the Word of God. And when you start to get yourself quiet and get yourself settled down and you meditate upon the Word of God, it begins to change you and it begins to change your environment. So we're trying to work, figure out, how do I get a faith response operating in my life? Well, what is a faith response? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So a faith response means that I can be sure based on God's word. This is the first issue that some of you have to settle. You've got to live your life based on God's word. The world, secular society today, is telling us that the scripture doesn't really work. It doesn't really apply. Sometimes you've got to understand it in context of what the writer was saying. But the word of God is, catch this, it's brilliant, is the word of God. Oh, Pastor Richie, we can go home now. That was so brilliant. The word of God is the word of God. So I can be sure, based on the word of God that I can hope for, now you guys have heard me talk about this before, hope is not this wishy-washy, oh, I'm kind of hoping. It is a confident expectation of good. When your hope is in the future, when you're hoping that God's going to bless you with a job, good job, your hope is believing that it's going to happen. So that I can hope for and be certain of God's promises even when I don't see it. God has given me a promise, even if it's not showing up in my life, I can have a confident expectation, I can put my hope in that, and I can be certain of it, even when I don't see it. Christianity is a life of faith. It's a life of faith. It's not a, 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 a life of what I see becomes reality, because we are spirit beings. We, we get that mixed up. We think we're human beings that have a spirit, but we are spirit beings that have a soul and a body. So when we begin to understand that, suddenly we recognize, even though we don't understand it, we think we're living in the, the physical realm, we're really living in the spirit realm. 
That's why the word of God says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against but against principalities of this dark and evil world. Your husband is not the problem. Your wife is not the problem. Your boss is not the problem. There is an evil one, the enemy, who has come to steal, who has come to kill, and come to destroy. And But Jesus came that you might have life and have life more abundantly. So even if that's not showing up in my life right now, I believe because I recognize I am a spirit being. And if you get that, say amen. Here's why we can do that. Because the finished works of Jesus Christ, another profound statement, are the finished works of Jesus Christ. They're finished. They're completed. Jesus has already done and provided everything that you are ever going to need. He's already done it. He's already provided. We are not working or performing to try to get him to do something. Because some of you were raised the way that I was. If I needed healing, then I needed to have more faith, and I needed to pray longer, and I needed to do all the right things, and I need to just make sure that I'm not watching the wrong things this week especially because I really need God to do something. God has already done everything that he's ever going to do. He's already provided for you everything that you're going to need. Here's the catch. We have to cooperate with him through faith. Not through feelings, not through what I can see, but through faith. Faith is the password that accesses all of the things that Christ has already done. We respond by taking hold of what he has already taken hold of for us. So your response is going to determine your outcome. Is it going to be a faith response? Lord, my confidence is in you. My trust is in you. God, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on. Or is it going to be a response of doubt, fear, and unbelief? Doubt is that thing the enemy's constantly trying to drop in your mind. Look, you, you believe that promise, but hey, you're going to doubt it. Fear is, oh my goodness, this is so horrible. It's all, always going to be like this. And unbelief is, you know what? I don't get that, so I choose not to believe that. There are lots of things that we don't understand that we have to choose to believe when it's in the Word of God. That's what belief is. That's what faith is. Again, it's the substance of things hoped for even before the evidence of the thing is seen. Well, last week we looked at the life of Abraham and Sarah. And again, I wanted to go back just real quick because I, I want us to see once again how they responded to the promise that God had for them. Now, how many of you know when you read the Word of God and you, you read something that sounds too good to be true, it's actually a promise for you? About seven of you believe that, so I'll have to focus on that for just a minute. When God gives us His Word and He gives us a promise, that promise is for you. It's for every one of us. They're promises that God has given us. And last week we talked about how God has given Abraham and Sarah a promise that they were going to have a child. And it's important for us to recognize and understand that how they responded in faith so that we can learn to respond in faith. That we don't keep responding with our pragmatic mind that we're only going to believe things when we see it. God, if you'll do it for me, then I'll believe. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. We believe first, and then we receive. In fact, we are believing that we are receiving through the entire process. God, I thank you, Father, by your stripes I'm healed. So I'm receiving healing right now in Jesus' name. So there's several things that we want to learn about how to respond. Again, so that you and I get a, can get a good, a positive, and a godly outcome in your life. How many of you would like to have that? Amen. All right, Romans chapter 4, verse 19, it says this. First part of it there says, and not being weak in the faith. First of all, notice that he wasn't weak in the faith. Abraham was not weak 
in the faith because there are a lot of Christians today that are very spiritually anemic. They are weak in the faith, so they have no spiritual vitality. So instead of being alive in Christ, that when we come in and we step into this time of worship and we're singing about the goodness of God, they've drug all of this junk that the enemy has piled on top of them in, and they can't lift their hands because of the burden that they're carrying. All the junk that is piled up from the week, they're not able to step into a time of worship and say, oh, God, thank you for your goodness, God. Thank you, Lord, that you are my Savior. Lord, God, thank you that you are my Redeemer. He was not weak in the faith. So instead of being alive again, there's most of the time they're just trying to survive. Listen, if that's where you're at today, it's okay. It's where you're at. But where you're at doesn't mean you have to stay where you're at. If you want to come in every week, dragging in and barely getting in, God's still going to love you. And if you've given your life to Christ, you're still going to go to heaven, but you're going to live like hell a lot of times on earth. So we want to see us become strong in the faith. Well, how do we get strong in the faith? Well, God's shown us in Romans chapter 10. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I like to say it like this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Say it with me. And hearing and hearing the word of God. That's what God wants. He wants us to be continually hearing the word of God. But have you noticed every time you're trying to hear the word of God, the enemy's trying to distract you with all kinds of things? You finally get that quiet time, and that's the time your kid wants something or needs something or your spouse wants something. We need to be continually hearing the word of God. If you don't understand how important it is for you to be continually hearing the word of God, if you don't understand the value that it has to your life, not just on Sunday mornings, because Christianity is not something that we put on when we come to church and then we leave it here, we save our seat with my Christianity, and then because all of you sit in the same spot almost every time I, I spot you. But we, we put that there and then we walk out and live our real life. No, it's every day. If you don't understand how important the Word of God is to your life and the strength that it gives you, you will find it very difficult to respond in faith. Again, Christianity is the life of faith. Verse 19 again, and not being weak in the faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. Second thing we saw is that he, is what he didn't consider. Catch that, it's, it's what he didn't consider. He didn't consider the fact that he was old. Now he's old. He's got a promise of, of, of having a child. He he's didn't consider the fact that there wasn't a Walgreens around, right? He, did, he didn't consider the fact, he didn't consider the fact of the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't spend his time considering the problem. We can't consider the problem. You can't be thinking about the problem. It doesn't mean that you don't deal with the problem, but it means you're not spending your time considering the problem. You're considering the solution all the time. Well, Pastor Richie, that doesn't work in the real world. Oh, yes, it does. You've got a decision, business decision to make. You've got to go one way with the company, or you're going to go another way with the company. You can begin to thank God that he has given you wisdom and that he's going to help you to understand which direction that it is you need to go. So you just start considering the promise. Thank you, God, that you've given me wisdom. I'm not sure what to do here. I've got two wonderful choices in front of me, but I know that you know. So, God, my confidence is in you. My trust is in you. All of a sudden, you're going to get clarity in a moment because you stepped out in faith, and you're going to respond right right? And suddenly God's going to show you what to do. Man, 
He didn't consider the problem. What you consider most, what you are dwelling on, is probably the thing that is going to happen. If you consider the problem more than you consider the promise, then the problem is more likely to show up than the promise. Verse 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Listen to this. If you're considering the problem more than the promise, it creates unbelief in your life. If you're thinking all the time 50 ways why it can't happen when God's word says it can happen, I promise that you're going to operate in unbelief. You're going to say, that doesn't work. In fact, entire theologies have been built around dispensation of that used to happen, that used to work, but it doesn't work anymore because people were considering the problem more than they were considering the promise. Listen to this. Unbelief is simply not trusting God's promises. You get to choose what you believe. We, we sometimes let our emotions decide what we're going to believe, but you can actually say, my emotions are out of whack and I, I want to believe the problem, but God, I choose to believe the promise. God, I choose to believe what your word says about this. See, it's believing the challenges and circumstances more than you're believing God's promises. That's what unbelief is. Notice that Abraham didn't waver. Now, I can promise you that he felt challenged to waver. Because sometimes we read a scripture like that because he's a patriarch of the faith. We think that he made up his mind and he never dealt with it again. Listen, it was years until the promise showed up. I promise you he had to constantly battle unbelief, doubt, and fear. And he didn't waver because the moment the thought came in, he said, that doesn't line up with the promise. I'm going to take that, that thought captive and I'm going to make it obedient to the promise. I'm going to say the promise. I'm going to speak the promise. I'm going to believe the promise. I'm not going to believe the doubt and the unbelief the enemy's trying to bring into my life. So he didn't waver about believing and trusting God. But since he had faith in God, because he knew God intimately, which becomes a challenge a lot of times for followers of Christ, because we get saved and we really know more about God than we really know God. That's why we created step one of the growth track, so that you could know God intimately. The Greek word is gnosko, that you know him in an intimate way, because the world is constantly talking about how God is the God of judgment and the God of hellfire and brimstone, and he's mean and disappointed, when that's not true. God is love. It's not what he, just what he does, it's who he is. He's love. So we got to know him. Abraham knew him, and he chose to consider the promise instead of the challenge. Verse 20 again. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. Watch this, giving glory to God. Notice Abraham's response to a negative situation. Lord, I give you praise for the promise. If you ever want to know just how strong your faith is, in a time of testing, what is your response? We, we hate tests, right? You, those of you that are going back to school this week, sorry, but you're going to be taking some tests. And listen, the teachers haven't all gotten together and said, all right, what is the cruelest thing that we can do to the students this year? What can we do? How about let's give them tests? Ooh, yeah, tests. Oh, how horrible. They're going to freak out about it. No, that's not what a test is. A test reveals what it is that you know. And when we go through a test, when we go through a difficulty, it's a test of how strong our faith is. So when everything's going well in your life and everything's great and you're praising and worshiping God, that's awesome. But do you do the same thing 
like Abraham and praise and worship God in the midst of what appears like your life is falling apart. No, okay. Abraham, I know y'all do, sorry. Abraham made a choice to give God praise and thank him for the promise. Listen, that is a faith response. Emotionally, I guarantee you that he was all over the place. You know, when God gave them the promise, Sarah laughed. And I'm sure that there were some people in Abraham's life, possibly even Sarah, that were always going, your God said he was going to do this, when's he going to do it? Right? Have you ever had those people in your life? Oh yeah, if your God's a healer, then when's it going to happen? If your God's a provider, then what are you going through this for? You just have to get firm. He just, he just decided to believe God. That's a faith response. Anytime your response lines up with the promise, anytime your response lines up with the word of God, that is a faith response. So Abraham was strong in the faith. He considered God's promise more than he considered the problem. He didn't allow himself to waver at the promise through unbelief. Instead, he gave glory to God. And of course, most of you know the outcome to the story. Something happened in that tent one night. Abraham, even though he's old, you need, if you need me to fill in the blanks, see me after the service and I'll fill in the blanks for you. Even though Abraham was old, even though Sarah's womb was dead, nine months later, boom! Out, pro- out pops the promise, Abraham, or Isaac. Now listen to this, catch this. The outcome matched the response. Whew, man, I'm telling you, I hope that gets you excited. Because you know what, today you can choose your response. Your emotions may want to choose this way, but you can choose a right response. And the, the outcome matched the response. So if we keep responding right, And we keep responding right, we keep responding right, the outcome is going to match the response. It's powerful. Now, here's something important for us to understand, and here's where I want to kind of pick up today from this. Lest we fall back into works and self-effort where we're trying to do things to get God to do something. We have to understand, we've got to get this in our knower, we've got to know this in our knower, that Jesus has already provided Everything that you and I will ever need, the Bible says, for life and for godliness. It's finished. It's already been provided. And there are some of you here today that you need to believe and receive that. You need to believe that God's a good God, that he loves you with an everlasting love, that he's not basing his performance towards you based upon your performance towards him, that he's already provided everything that you need, and you need to start building up your faith. How do I do that? You get into the word of God. Your next step is you need to get into the word of God. There there are some of you here today that you're just barely getting by. You're just barely surviving as a Christian. When God's called you to be more than a conqueror, God has called you to, to these great heights. We've got to learn how to respond in faith. So we get into the word of God and the word of God begins to get into us. Some of you, if you just showed up to church more often, the word of God would start getting into you more often. How? Moving on. Some of you just need to spend a little bit of time this week. You know what? You may not be able to do it every day, but spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in the Word of God. Find, find a, carve out some time in your life. Listen, if you're just waiting for the time to show up for you to be able to do it, it's probably not going to happen. But if you'll plan some time, not out of legalism, so if I do this, God's going to do this, but I want to get into the Word of God so I begin to understand the promises. Sometimes we don't even know the promises that we're able to stand on. As your faith grows, you're going to start considering the promise more than you're considering the problem. And when a challenge comes into your life, and again, they are going to come. 
you'll start praising God and thanking him for the promise. Instead of becoming paralyzed with doubt, fear, and unbelief. You'll be filled with faith, and the outcome is going to match the response. See, sometimes we don't believe God because we keep responding wrong, and our wrong response is producing the fruit of what it is that we're actually believing. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. God won't do this. God won't do this. God won't do this. And God says, listen, I've never been moved by, by need. I've always been moved by faith. So you're going to have to actually believe me. You're going to have to actually trust me. But we keep declaring the wrong things, and then we're surprised when the wrong things keep showing up in our life. Y'all doing okay? I'm kind of stepping on some people's toes today. but So some of you just need to start. Just start growing in your faith. But there's another group of you that are here today. People that you really love God, but you're still trying to do things to get God to do some things. You're doing things because if you do the things, then you think, God's going to do some things. But just like I said earlier, you need to understand God's promises showing up in your life is, is because he has already finished those things. And God's promises showing up in your life is not based upon your level of holiness, but in your belief in him. You don't believe that? Read the Old Testament. Man, half the men and half the women that God used, at least, I wouldn't have picked. Man, there were some murderers, there were some adulterers, some, some idolatry people. I wouldn't have picked those people, but God chose them. So it's not based upon the level of our holiness, God's promises showing up in our lives, but it's based upon our belief in him. How much do I really believe in the good things of God? Because we continue to think that it's our self-righteousness. Now, that's not what we call it. What we call it is right behaviors. We, we continue to think that our right it's our right behaviors that allows us to accomplish what only Jesus can accomplish. Listen to this. You can't be free from sin without Jesus. Well, hey, I'm, I'm, already, I'm already free from sin. Are you entangled in sin? You got an area of your life you're, you're trying to overcome and you keep straining and struggling to try to overcome. You can't be free from sin without Jesus. Listen to this. But you keep thinking that if you did more, if you fasted more, if you prayed more, if you read your Bible more, if you went to church more, that is going to keep you free from sin. But you can't do it without a Savior. I said this in the ministry time. We think of Savior as saving me from hell, and that's what Savior was way back then when I did that. Savior is ongoing in our lives. If you are, have an area of your life you're trying to overcome, you're trying to walk in victory, you don't want to do those things that violate the word of God, you need a savior. You need him to show up in your life in this moment where you say, God, I can't, but you can. I've tried through self-effort, I've tried to willpower myself to not do these things, but God, I can't, but you can. We need a savior. Listen, when you came to Christ, it was because you recognized what God's word says in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But you're always going to fall short when you're trying to do things without Jesus. Are you catching this self-effort, self-righteousness, right behavior that if I do all these things, then God's going to do something? You keep thinking if you did more, that would cause God to do more for you on your behalf. And some of you tried it. That's why you don't serve in church anymore, because you tried it. You tried to do all the things that you could to try to get God to do more in your life, and he didn't do it, and you're kind of like, okay, God, what's going on? He's never going to be moved by your behavior. He's moved by faith, by believing in him. 
My serving in church is just the outgrowth of falling in love with Jesus and falling in love with the people of God. You think it's a sign of maturity because you keep trying to do stuff without Jesus. Jesus, I've grown up enough. I got this on my own. I've shared this with you guys before. In pastoring the church over the last 13 years, there have been seasons when I go, man, I got this thing down. Look what's happening now. God, I'll take it from here. He says, knock yourself out. (laughs) Two weeks later, two months later, now I'm getting smarter. It's about half a nanosecond later. Okay, God, I need you. I can't do this without you. I'm not smart enough. I'm I'm not educated enough. I'm not any of those things. So God, my confidence is in you. You think that you're, what you do is enough. But listen, I don't care if you think I'm not doing all of the big sins, right? We kind of have this rating system with sins. You still need a Savior. I'm telling you, you need a Savior. Because even if you think you're not doing what you call the big sins, you're not sleeping with someone you're not married to, you're not getting drunk, you're not stealing, you still sin and you still need a Savior. The Bible says this in James 4, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. I don't know about you, but I need a Savior. Sometimes we sin when we do things that we're not supposed to do, and sometimes we sin when we don't do the things that we are supposed to do. That's why our faith, our hope, our trust, our confidence has to be in Jesus and in his finished work. I'm resting in him. I'm not striving to try to overcome sin. Yes, I'm learning to walk away from it. I'm overcoming. Listen, before I understood God's grace, I was bound up in the same thing over and over and over and over again. I would beat myself up all the time. But when I began to understand the goodness and the grace of God, and I started hiding myself in Him, I am overcoming things that used to entangle me all the time. We don't have to sin. We probably will sin. That's why we need a Savior. When we get to that place, we're going, I'm going to make it through this again. We just say, God, I can't, but you can. God, I can't, but you can. Will you help me right now? Will you help me overcome? You and I still need a Savior. Not just a Savior that saved us from sin a long time ago, but we need a Savior that's going to save us from the thing we're struggling with right now. We need a Savior that's going to deliver us. We need a Savior that's going to provide for us. A Savior that's going to protect us. That's why our faith is in Him and in His finished work. Listen, self-righteousness, if I do this, God does this, is unrighteousness. And you keep thinking that you're going to be able to get blessed by your behavior. But just like you can't get saved by what you do, you could only be saved by what Jesus did. Listen, you can't understand and walk in all that God has for you until you understand he's your Savior. We need Jesus to be our Savior. Listen, when you understand that, suddenly it's an active, vital relationship. It's no longer I'm just coming to church because you did this thing for me a long time ago, and so I know I'm supposed to thank you. It's God every day, every moment. Lord, I want to walk in new levels, and with new levels, I understand there's new devils. And God, I know that you have this overcoming, victorious life for me. So God, I want to acknowledge every day I need you as my Savior. Jesus came to be our Savior. He came to to save us from our sins, but again, he also came to deliver us, to heal us, to provide for us, to protect us. And we think if we do all the right things, then God will deliver us. If I can perform right this week, then God's going to heal me. If I can do all the right things, then God is going to provide for us. But every time we talk about what we need to do to get God to do something, 
What we can do is never going to be enough. Jesus is the only one that is more than enough. But if we'll put our trust in Jesus by responding in faith to his promises, then he is the one that is going to make everything all right in our lives. Now, some of you struggle with what I just said. And because religion has a hard time seeing Christianity as a finished work. Let me say that again. Religion has a hard time seeing Christianity as a finished work. Religion teaches you to perform. Religion teaches you to work, to try to get something from God so people are still trying to perform. They're trying to do all the right things all the time to get God to do something. And if you're not careful, you're going to develop a case of not OCD, but RCD, a religious compulsive disorder. You are. In fact, it's one of the reasons why the world is so turned off by Christianity, because they haven't really seen Christianity. They've seen religion. There's this religion compulsive disorder that's going on all the time. And the moment we start talking about Jesus, or someone gives their life life to Christ, we start giving them the laundry list of all the things that they've got to do, rather than helping them understand who they are in Christ Jesus. That, That when they understand that it's about being and not doing, Christianity becomes the good news. It becomes exciting to live for God. You can't wait because you understand that God has the ability to put his super upon your natural and do extraordinary things in your life and through your life. See, some Christians, for some people, is a religious, Christianity for some people, is a religious display of all the things they can do to get God do for them what he said he would do. We think if I can do all the right things, then God will bless me. Or if I'm not being blessed, it's probably because I'm not doing all the right things. That's not right. Is there faith? Yes. Is there a response of faith? Yes. But not because if I do something, then God will do something. But the response of faith is me getting myself in alignment with the word of God and what the word says Jesus has already done. Faith response is me considering the promises of God as a display of God's grace and of his goodness in my life. Listen, do we actually think that we're going to heaven because we deserve to go to heaven? We don't. We're going to heaven because of the finished work and the blood of Jesus Christ and our willingness to accept the blood of Jesus and the finished work of Jesus Christ. But we have to know it's finished. We have to learn how to rest in it. Ah, thank you, Lord. Lord, I, I've been in this area of, of oppression for a long time. God, I've been dealing with depression for a long time, but God, I can't overcome it, but you can. So God, I'm gonna rest in you. God, I'm gonna trust in you. God, I thank you, Father, that the healing that you provided for me, it's not just physical healing, it's emotional healing. God, and I receive today that 2,000 years ago when you died on the cross, you paid for my emotional healing. So God, this oppression has to leave in Jesus' name. See, we've got the sword of the Spirit, but a lot of times we're walking into the middle of the battle and the enemy's swinging at us, and we're kind of ducking, and we've got a sword in our hand that we can raise up, and it scares him to death. He is, he's freaked out by you getting on the offensive with your family, with you getting on the offensive in your life and beginning to establish the place of victory that you're already in. Instead, we keep running away. Okay, God, I'm defeated. You're not defeated. You're in a place of victory. But we have to fight the good fight of what? Faith. Fight of faith. We need a Savior. Listen, we need a Savior. We, we, for, for those of us that, that are like me, 
that, man, this is my ideal. I can, I can get into self-righteousness pretty quick. I can find somebody, maybe one or two of you at least here, that I'm doing a little bit better at my relationship with God, and I can say, look how good I'm doing. Look how much I deserve. Listen, we need a Savior. We need a Savior. We need to learn how to destroy the works of self-effort, the works of self-righteousness. We need a Savior, and His name is Jesus. Whenever we find ourselves trying to qualify based on our performance, that is self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is unrighteousness. Do you all see that today? Listen, I'm not saying today that your behaviors aren't important and, and you can go out and sin and live however you want to. Because the wages or the payment of sin is still death. For a follower of Jesus Christ, it's no longer eternal death, but it's death in a lot of areas of our life. And we keep wondering why death keeps showing up in our lives. A lot of times it's because we're sinning. We're living our lives contrary to the word of God. And there's a difference in that stumbling, I blew it, get back up. And there's a difference between, I think I'm just going to hang out and dwell in it. The wages of sin is still death, so I'm not telling you it's okay. Go out and live however you want to. But I am saying that when you begin to understand that your Savior Jesus died to redeem you from sin... He did something that you would never be able to do. And what Jesus being your Savior means, that he is your provider, he is your protector, he is your deliverer, he is your healer, he is your physician, he, he is your financial advisor. He is your dating service. You need a love connection? Get connected with God. I'm telling you, God knows who you need and what you need. Some of you are going, save that, Pastor Richie. But when we get that, we're going to stop sinning. The more you understand he's my provider, I'm going to stop sinning, and we'll stop operating in self-effort. I don't want to try to save Richie. I can't save Richie. But I'm thankful that Jesus decided he would do that. So listen, I want to encourage you today to take a step today. I know a lot of times we're thinking about something and, again, like drinking from a fire hydrant, trying to figure out all the things that we need to do. But a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And what I want to encourage you today, today is take, take a step. Perhaps for some of you, you just recognize, you know what, I need to be stronger in the faith. I, I don't really know the Word of God enough to stand on it. Well, it's like I shared last week, man, every time you hear a scripture, you go, ooh, that's a promise. Man, I want to write that down. Put it, put it in your phone. Man, I've got a list of, of scriptures in my phone that I'm, I'm looking at all the time reminding myself. Let your faith be built up. Spend time in God's word. Let, get into God's word and let his word get into you. Maybe your next step is that you need to start considering God's promises more than you do the problems. You need to recognize that, man, you have gotten into some stinking thinking. You are dwelling all the time on the problem. It's the problem, the problem. You're saying the problem, thinking about the problem, talking about the problem. Again, sometimes we've got to deal with it. We've got to talk about it. But make sure the priority is that we're acknowledging the promise. Pam and I just started working out, and I've never liked working out. Never, ever, ever. Really, it's a shocker, Pastor Richie. No, seriously, I don't, I don't like to work out. And... And I'm getting up in the morning, and I'm telling myself every morning, this is my life now. This is who I am. And not in a, this is my life now, and this is who I am. 
getting up with confidence, going, this is my life now. This is who I am. I get up lots of mornings, and, man, it's like the mattress won't let go of me. Y'all know what I'm talking about, having a real hard time. But, man, I don't, I don't start saying, man, I'm so tired. Oh, man, maybe today would be a great day not to do it. I am declaring over my life what I want to see. And I'm telling you, it's, it's easier for me to do it. I'm going now with a purpose. I'm understanding the why I'm doing it. And listen, for some of you, you kind of keep considering the problem. You just need to change what you're saying. Get up, get up, and you just recognize, man, I, I, I can't fix my marriage. I can't fix my kids. I, I can't fix my financial situation, but I know one who can. So, God, I thank you, Father, that by your stripes I'm healed. God, I thank you that you are my provider today, that you are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that will provide. And you start speaking the promises, and suddenly, instead of going, Ugh, you go to, whoa, okay. I, I've got faith being built in me. I have a confident expectation of good. Some of your, your next step is to get out of self-righteousness. You've never seen it as that because you've never really thought, I'm not real pious towards people. But this self-effort that you're trying to do all the time to get God to do something, or if you do it, God's going to do something, is self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is unrighteousness. So whatever your next step is, I want to encourage you just to take it. And if you'll get it established upon the fact that God loves you, with an everlasting love, that he's a God that's filled with grace and he's filled with mercy, that he's filled with goodness and that he believes in you. In fact, he believes in you even when you don't believe in yourself. And he's still got a great plan for you. He's still got a great destiny for you. And listen, sometimes you just got to shake off the heaviness. You got to shake off the things that the enemy has tried to entangle with you and you got to say, God, thank you. Thank you that you are my savior today. And I'm going to learn how to respond in faith. Let's just, I'm going to ask you just to bow your this heads. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com.